This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and Rossi much more. fights off an Anna's check. Sends it back to Kulikov. Cuts to the middle. Hands to Beckman. He scores! What a throws to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome back to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined alongside Justin Baki, Zeke Boyat. And Sam Uren, who is back for another edition of Weekly Whitecaps. Happy to have her back with us. Zeke, glad to have you back this week as well. Glad to hear you're feeling better. Unfortunately, it seems, though, Justin, the uh, the sniffles have been passed to you, Mr. New Homeowner. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> as you can tell by the sound of my voice, I'm pretty rough. Uh, it's allergies. Uh, the previous home- homeowner had a dog and two cats. I'm severely allergic to both on top of seasonal allergies. It's been a rough uh, day or two here, but uh, top out, outside of that, I'm doing well. Finally in the new house. First episode recorded at the new house, so I'm just excited to get going here. Me as well. Zeke, good to have you back. Feeling a little better this week? Oh yeah, no, it was just uh, just a bad like, one day, so no, I'm doing uh, doing really good, obviously. Good. Just uh, happy to be back talking hockey again with you guys. Yeah, and Sam, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Doing well. Looking forward to Whitecaps opening weekend. Coming off a great win with the Wild last night, so just hoping to keep that good energy going. Yeah, it was definitely a great win by the Wild. Uh, the th- me, Zeke, and Justin will get into that a little bit later on in this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy week for a lot of us. Busy, um, kind of getting into that time of year, but uh, happy to have an hour or so tonight to join you guys, talk a little bit of hockey, both on the NHL side and and the women's hockey side of things as well. So we're going to open up, as we will, hopefully for most weeks, kind of through the end of the Whitecaps season with our weekly Whitecaps segment. So Sam... The floor is yours. The Whitecaps open up their season this weekend in Boston against the rival Pride. Tell us everything we need to know. Yeah, I mean, starting the season off playing in Boston, uh, the Whitecaps obviously played last year's Isabel Cup final there. So starting off really strong with the rivalry. Uh, Our first two games are in Boston, and then our next two games are at home against Boston. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of rivalries to start off the season, but um, I think everyone's excited to, to get out there and, um, you know, just get that cup back. Absolutely. So what, what are kind of some things, you know, obviously you said they're coming off the, the, the Isabel cup final last year and in, in previous years, what does this rivalry kind of look like? How do these games tend to look a little bit different maybe than when they're playing, you know, uh, you know, a Connecticut whale or, or someone, you know, an, another team like that. Yeah. I think with Boston, it's always a good goaltending matchup. They've got a great pair this year and um, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys a little preview, but the Whitecaps will be announcing our goaltenders uh, when this airs on Thursday. So um, super excited for fans to finally know who our goaltending pair is this season and that's always something that um i know the team looks forward to trying to best each other there um this year i think there's an added level because uh, we have essentially done a one-for-one trade in defenders um our number eight amanda boulier going over to boston this season and then 
we took their number eight, Taylor Turnquist. So now she's uh, over here playing for us. And then uh, we just announced Lexi Lang, another Boston. She's played her entire career with a Boston pride. So, you know, definitely an added level with some free agency moves and it'll be exciting to see uh, from a fan perspective, how that looks and how that interaction is. Absolutely. Obviously the pride have a, a very strong and loyal fan base, but the white caps I think is better, stronger, more, you know, vocal in terms of how they want to support the team. So hopefully the they'll embrace, you know, uh, Lexi and, and Taylor here and, I know the team is really looking forward to, you know, getting after it. And I spoke with a few of them tonight and they're looking forward to, you know, really just playing another team that's not themselves, um, getting back into games. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And uh, I'm sure as most listeners know by now, Taylor Turnquist, the uh, the significant other of the Minnesota Wilds, very own Nico Sturm. Tell us a little bit more about Taylor's game. Obviously, she plays the defensive side of the puck. Nico's more of that center, the forward type. Maybe, you know, you get to watch both players, so maybe some similarities, some differences you see in their game and kind of what fans can look forward to um, in Taylor Turnquist making uh, her debut uh, with the Whitecaps. Yeah, I think Taylor has a really strong presence on the blue line. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how she'll match with, you know, the longstanding defenders that we have on the Whitecaps. Um, obviously, Winnie Brown being one of them, uh, longest tenured Whitecaps there. Um but similarities or differences between Taylor and Nico, I think, you know, they both are uh, pretty aggressive when it comes to being on the ice and, and using their presence uh, to make themselves known as, you know, legit threats. So uh, I think overall, I'm just super excited to see how the team meshes. We've got kind of a newish team with some you know rookies coming in and some new faces to the team. And then obviously a lot of the longstanding, long tenured Whitecaps, um, so get a good mix of new and old and, uh, just kind of see how everyone is, is going to look, you know, this opening weekend here. And then the other player you mentioned, was it Le Lexi Lang? Did I remember that correctly? Yep. Lexi Lang. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about her also coming over, uh, from Boston as well. Yeah, she is, I think an underrated threat, um, when it comes to offense, um, obviously, being on such a strong Boston pride team for her tenure within the uh, PHF is, you know, she can get overlooked, but I think she'll make her presence felt here in Minnesota. And, um, you know, I don't exactly know what coaches are thinking in terms of how the lines will look, but, um, you know, really looking forward to hoping to see, you know, maybe a, a goal or two from her this weekend. What would you say that, you know, Obviously, it's its first game this season. You want to see him come out flying, but what would you say are kind of the keys to the Whitecaps to, to really start this season on a strong foot, maybe come out with some back-to-back -back wins, a sweep, if you will, um, kind of this opening series against you know a, a very long-term rival like Boston? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Boston's always one of the harder teams that we have to play in a season. Um, I think... You know, one thing that I would want to see the Whitecaps go out and do on the ice is just be aggressive, really make good use of any power play opportunities or um, have a strong penalty kill. Hopefully better um, than the Wilds penalty kill. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I know they've been working a lot on, you know, a few different things in practice that, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be nice to see how it works in a game and if it works as well as it does in practice. But I definitely think making use of special teams is going to be crucial, especially when we play Boston. Absolutely. Zeke, Justin, anything you guys want to add or, or uh, have, have questions for kind of as we, as this, as we uh, near the, uh, the opening of the season here for the Whitecaps? I guess uh, <clears throat> kind of going off of that last question, <clears throat> what are the strengths of each team? Like what's Boston's strength versus Minnesota's strength? And, and what, who are a couple players on each side that we can kind of expect to turn it up for this game? Yeah, on Boston, I think, you know, they obviously winning the cup last year, they're riding that high. And I think they really are trying to defend, you know, that title um, and keep it in Boston and Minnesota trying to take it back and bring it back to Minnesota. But, um, you know, they've got Kaylee Fratkin and, um, she, you know, she's a just a crazy offensive threat. Um, 
as I mentioned, goaltending for both sides is always a great matchup to the you know best in the league. Um, and then Boston's made some additions this season, bringing over uh, Kayla Friesen from uh, Connecticut. And so it'll be interesting to see how she matches up there. And, um, you know, their second goaltender will be interesting to see how she pairs with uh, Lavisa Salander. So, um, you know, Boston, great team. Minnesota, I think we're better. Um, yeah. You know, making the claim now. Cup's coming back to Minnesota. But um, we've got, you know, Allie Thunstrom, always a crazy offensive threat, super fast, super speedy in terms of, you know, her handles and, and getting the puck to the back of the net. Um, Jonna Curtis is another sometimes overlooked player, but she really makes a big, strong impact. And I think I mentioned last week, you know, we've got a lot of returners, uh, you know, Winnie Brown and uh, Chelsea, her sister, and, um, you know, Brooke White and Nicole Shamel's back from, you know, a couple seasons ago when she was, you know, all-star. Audra Morrison, honestly, the whole team, there's just a ton of depth. And that's, I think, one of the biggest strengths that the Whitecaps have. Absolutely, Zeke. Any any uh, any questions to add here? Uh, no, I think uh, I think you pretty much kind of answered everything I was wondering. I just uh, just kind of commented on it is that it's just uh, you know just uh, kind of looking forward to this weekend because I believe the games are all on going to be on ESPN Plus this year, if I remember right. It's... Yep, all games okay. will be on ESPN Plus. Okay, cool. Because that's, that's what I thought I saw. So I'm looking forward then to be able to watch them this weekend. And what uh, what time should fans be tuning in? When is uh, when's puck drop both days? Yeah, let me uh, <laughs> want to make sure I get it right since we're in Central Time. So don't want to say the wrong uh, time zone sure. here. I got it right here. If you want me to to uh, <clears throat> it's six o'clock Central on Saturday, noon o'clock noon o'clock <laughs> Central on Sunday. I love noon o'clock. <laughs> Noon, noon o'clock, our favorite time yeah. to play games. Yep, yeah. So Saturday nights and and Sunday afternoons. Yeah. So if you got those, if you got that dual monitor setup, throw the Wild on one against the Penguins and the Whitecaps against the Pride on the other one. You'll be set with uh, double Minnesota hockey on on your Saturday night. And then um, if you don't want to, you know, waste your time watching the Minnesota Vikings in that tire fire, um, <laughs> watch the Whitecaps instead. Probably much much better use of your time. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. I'm excited. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how the team will come out. And I think, like I said before, everyone's just excited to play not themselves. Um, you know, get back out and get into a really competitive season. I think across the board, all PHF teams this year have made some significant improvements in the off season. So um, this first weekend of games for every team, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. For sure. We are looking forward to that opener. Anything else you want to add before we turn you loose and uh, and then uh, move over to talk to Minnesota Wild? Uh, no, I think, you know, in general, I'm going to encourage all, all the listeners to get some tickets to the Whitecaps home opener on November 20th. Um, and, you know, make sure you follow us on social media and stay up to date with the latest happenings in Whitecaps in the Whitecaps world. What's the best way for listeners to uh, to go check out tickets if they want to grab some? Yeah, you can head to whitecaps.premierhockeyfederation.com. Uh, so that, that'll be where you find it. Perfect. Um, we'll tweet that out too because it's a little bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but, you know, always good to, to get the links out there. So, Definitely. And then, yeah, follow us on social media. That's, you know, we'll – Probably the best place is Twitter. We post the most there and and try to keep as up to date, you know, with merchandise sales and and that sort of thing. So get your tickets for the home opener and maybe get a jersey or two. Perfect. I mean, we we talked last week some of the best jerseys in sports, um, donned uh, by the Whitecaps. That that white jersey, man, I that thing never gets never gets old to me. Uh, Sam, where can everyone? Uh, follow you and keep up uh, up up to date with uh, what you're doing with both the Whitecaps and, and with the Minnesota Wild as well. Yeah, on Twitter you can follow me at Samantha Uren underscore and then it's the same on Instagram too. So that would be the best place for, for everyone to keep up to date with what's going on. 
Perfect. And just a reminder, if you did not catch our show last week where Sam kind of went through how she ascended into her role as assistant general manager of the Whitecaps and what she's doing with the Minnesota Wild, I encourage you to check that out. She will be making weekly appearances. Sam, we appreciate you coming on tonight, giving us the weekly Whitecaps update. We're hoping for a big opening series this weekend, and we hope when we uh, talk to you next week, we're, we're talking about a 2-0 and weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks so much to Sam for giving us an update on the Whitecaps. Again, you can catch them this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so if you already got your Wild subscription, you're able to watch the Whitecaps as well. But moving over now into the Minnesota Wild as well here, before we get into the team, Justin, as always, has our prospect update. Yeah, and I just want to apologize again if I'm rough to listen to this week. It's because my allergies are beating the crap out of me. So uh, just just hang with me here. <laughs> uh, pretty good week for our, our prospects. I think the biggest one is Pavel Novak had a hat trick, four points in two games for uh, Kelowna. Uh, very good weekend. And then Jack McBain scored three goals in the two games he played. He ended up being Hockey East Player of the Week. Uh, he's actually the the second player in our prospect pool to win that award. Marshall Warren won it week one. So uh, we got to keep those BC boys playing well and, and developing well. It seems like they're they're doing quite good over there. Burstov uh, and Bank here each had a two-point weekend, one and one, one goal, one assist. Yeah, and Justin, just uh, to, well, just to uh, cut in quick, I don't know if you saw this yeah. today too, but Jack McBain also um... – won, uh, I think, Hockey's Player of the Month as well. Oh, I didn't catch that yet. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was today Even he better. was announced uh, Hockey's. So both Player <laughs> of the Week and Player of the Month uh, for the big old, the big wow. center, Jack McBain. I must have missed that with all the moving stuff and unpacking. But <laughs> Hey, no problem. That's, that's, what, that's what we got a team of three here. Yeah. Exactly. Appreciate you picking me up on that one. But uh, that's even better than Player of the Week. I mean, keep them coming. <laughs> Wallstead picked up a W. Uh, Lazanati has actually started the last two games for Lulia. Can't spell Wallstead uh, without a capital W. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we're ignoring you know, the, the other goalie, Laz- Yeah, <laughs> Lazanati, who's also got a lot of letters in his name, uh, double S, double T. But anyways, he started the last two games, allowed two goals the first one, five goals the second. It just originally it seemed, I think. The plan was he was going to be the main starter, but it seems like Wallstead's playing better because he's only played started one game where he allowed more than two goals. So you'd think that they go back to him if Lazanotti's going to end up allowing five goals in a start, but maybe sure. that's just because he's rusty. Anyways, uh, Iowa, the Iowa Wild also split last weekend with Manitoba, who's the AHL affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I think the biggest news out of that weekend was uh, Marco Rossi was back from feeling under the weather. I uh, ended up picking three assists in the two games. So uh, strong weekend for him. Cramarosa had a couple goals and assists, and Drew and Sweeney both had a couple assists. And I think the the last thing for the prospect update this week is Alexander Hovanov has been recalled to the Iowa Wild from the ECHL affiliate Heartlanders, which uh, hopefully that's good news because apparently he's been out of shape and maybe he's starting to take things serious. So let's hope he uh, performs well for the Iowa Wild. Yeah, and then I'd say the other kind of big thing that uh, fresh as of last night, uh, Minnesota Wild – Defenseman Callan Addison with his uh, first career NHL goal as well, which is uh, pretty exciting. Pretty oh, yeah, and, and also Adam Beckman making his NHL debut, which was pretty awesome too. They are they're letting the kids play, as they say. Yeah, it's letting them loose. Doer too, I think, with his NHL debut. Yeah. Yeah. Recently as well. Yeah. Since the last we talked, I can't even remember like what's all happened since last we talked because it's been just crazy. Yeah. We'll get into some of that. Yeah, we've done so many shows lately that I sometimes I forget what I what we touch on and what we don't. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like have an analytics segment pair, and then I realized that uh, something I had on the dock will work perfectly for an analytics segment. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about Dmitry Kulikov. Um, I was just I don't even know why this kind of like popped into my head last night, but um, Kulikov, you know, was was paired with Jared Spurgeon last night, and 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of looking at his numbers after the game and going, you know what? He, he looked pretty good. I, like I'm thinking back and I go, I keep feeling like his games, you know, his his you know PCS has been good every game. I'm gonna dive into Kulikov's numbers. And here's what I found. You may have seen this uh, even retweeted by Michael Russo. Sent this his way last night. He uh, yep. tweeted out for me. But uh, Kulikov through eight games this year. This is all of his even strength stats. So. Through eight games this year, uh, a minute, or a minute, wow, <laughs> 112 minutes, 16 seconds, and even strength ice time. He has an expected goals percentage of 69.31%. Uh, well, he's on the ice, Minnesota Wild, um, with 6.61 expected goals for to just 2.93 goals against. That is, that's 69.31%. First in the NHL among all skaters, not just forwards, not defensemen, all players in the NHL have played at least 100 minutes of ice time. Um, pretty impressive for your for your so-called number five defenseman. He's paired with that a 57.28% uh, Corsi, which is 118 shots for, 88 shots against, shot attempts, excuse me, against a plus 19 shot differential, a plus four goal differential, and a plus 18 high danger differential. His high danger chance percentage, I believe, is eighth best in the league. Same Cartier there, uh, 100, 100 minutes played among all skaters. And then simply, I he's got three assists, 16 shot attempts, seven hits, 14 blocks. I mean, he's just been like, he's been rock solid. And I don't think like, yeah. and I think part of the reason you know, we're not seeing him you know, necessarily appear on the score sheet, but he's just doing all the right things, you know, helping get the puck out of the zone, limiting, you know, a lot of those, you know, high danger shots, even the shot attempts, getting the puck out of the zone. Um, there could be some underlying things. Maybe he's getting deployed more in the offensive zone as well, but I mean, the blue end as a whole has looked really good this year. I think we talked about heading into the season, one of our kind of biggest question marks was kind of, you know, how good could this third pairing of, of Kulikov and Merrill be? Is it going to be able to, you know, replace Susie and Cole? And it's small sample. We're nine games in. You know, there's been some injuries, some shuffling. But I think those two have looked really good and maybe just as good, maybe even a little bit better than what we saw out of, out of uh, Cole and Susie mm-hmm. last year. Well, I don't know. I would say because I remember when they signed uh, him at first as a free agent back in, in, in the summer. You know, I kind of basically through everything I read, I kind of thought, okay, this is maybe more of the typical, maybe old school guy who's out there to hit and just, you know, literally stay in kind of in your own end the whole time, play defense that way. And, and that is his job, like with all the stats you brought over. Yep. That is what he's there to do. But I mean, we said in the preseason too. I mean, again, it was just preseason, but it seemed like he was, you know, if, by getting that more opportunity, that he actually does seem to have some decent maybe puck skills or you know can pass the puck well and is a decent skater too and i just you know like you said brett he's not been on the score sheet outside from i think two or three times but i think you know like you said there's just been a lot more value there i guess than you would have i like I said i just thought he was just going to be a out there to you know throw some checks be physical be rough in his own end but he's like you like you just said he's been a lot more than just that guy yeah he had a pretty good preseason you'd hope he would carry that over the regular season. He certainly has. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind is uh, when he made that zone entry kind of off a pass and, and set up, I think it was an Eagle Sturm goal. Was that what it was? Yes. Yep. Because I remember yeah. um, our our friend Kaprizov Club uh, on Twitter is a huge Kulikov fan. Yeah. And I, I remember I was like, ah, oh, Sturm scored. And I, I tweeted out my, my uh, obligatory stonks meme. <laughs> and, and, he, and he responded with uh, – Kulikov assist, uh, so we both win, and I, I just I think I responded something like W. So, um, you know, t- two of our you know maybe not as popular you know players among fans. I think although Sturm is is growing very quickly among the fan base, um, yeah. rallying behind the Sturm warning. But yeah, um, <laughs> t- t- tangent there. But yeah, I, I think t- Justin to your point, I, or uh, Zeke to your point, I do believe it was the Sturm goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and, and it just it just seems like he's hey usually playing solid. I mean. I can't think of any complaints of his game at all, really, off the top of my head. Yeah. And obviously, again, we want to be wary of sample size, but yeah. I mean, you, you look at, you know, they had some rough games in there, and for him still, you know, even, you know, I think he missed one of those games where they kind of got beat up on. Well, maybe it hurt to not have him in the lineup that night, you know? Maybe you got rocked a little yeah. bit because Dmitry Kulikov was, was out there, and he's your guy that's really helping drive that play. Um, and then. I don't have his exact numbers, but a player who appeared in kind of a lot of those same categories who we, we kind of praised uh, with Dave Schwartz and kind of the week prior is Freddie Goudreau. Um, up there in a lot of those same stats and, and expected goals, high danger. Um, him and Fiala um, have, have looked great, um, and, and they, they continue to look great last night, which we'll, which we'll hit on here in a little bit. But So there's your 
There's your advanced stats segment of the week. Uh, just shout out to Mitri Kulikov. Welcome to the state of hockey. We love you, and we you are uh, we now officially stand you on us uh, on the Foghorn. So don't disappoint us like Jordan <laughs> Greenway did when we stand him last oh. year, and then he let us down again. Yeah, um, also, Jordan, hope you get well soon. Uh, we don't know what's hurt. Yeah. I'm as, oh, yeah. from the sounds of it, it sounds like and and watching the replay, I'm assuming it might be like a high ankle sprain of some kind, mm-hmm. but um, which yeah. could be like a four to six week timeline at best. But we'll yeah. see. But all the best to Greener. I mean, we we, we give him crap, but you know, still stinks to have one of your top nine forwards missing. So all the best to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we discussed, uh, we won't talk about this too much, but something we did want to hit on because it continues to be in the news cycle and uh, it hasn't been covered a lot locally, but we figured we should acknowledge it, is that uh, Bill Guerin is listed on a as a defendant in, in a lawsuit by Aaron Scaldi, um, the wife of a former uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pittsburgh uh, staff member who was sexually assaulted. Um, we do know what we know or what we've been told uh, based on the stories and the facts that we have is that um, it, it, this took seven months to be brought to the the, the Pittsburgh management attention. Um, it was brought to Garen. Garen promptly uh, took it to the Pittsburgh brass who then um, within, you know, after reviewing the situation, fired him promptly. Um, and that was kind of the end of that. That's more or less all we've heard. The, the, the lawsuit, to my understanding, is more there's some verbiage in there about Garen saying they need to keep this hush, keeping it quiet. So, um, are the interest of, of the fairness to both, to both Billy and as well to, uh, as, as well to Aaron. Um, we just wanted to be clear that we don't want to really take a stance on it to wait for the facts to come out, but just, just know that we, we have acknowledged it. We're just choosing to bite our tongues until we see more information. Cause we don't want to make hasty, uh, opinions or decisions either way. So we just wanted to address that cause we know it's been discussed a lot especially in light of the Kyle Beach and what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks and that tire fire. Really hoping that's not the situation here, but uh, we will see what that investigation finds. Um, hope, hoping for the best for Billy and, and, and that, that Aaron gets the uh, gets the, the proper action that she's seeking in her lawsuit as well. Yeah, no, it's just been, uh, uh, like like Evie said, I had, uh, when this first story first broke like a year ago, I had a bunch of tweets, you know, uh, at the same time, you know, kind of overreacting. So like you said, Brett, we don't want to do that either way now, but it's just, I got to say last week too, just to kind of quickly go on. I mean, I was watching all the games like usual and all that, but man, it's just kind of felt pretty shitty every time you'd go online, log on Twitter or read anything. Like I just, you know, you kind of felt just, it's pretty discouraging all the stuff you're reading about all, you know, all these people and, you know, like, like, like we said in Chicago and all that, it was just a, you know, it was kind of rough to, in a way, to be a hockey fan last week, just reading how, you know, how seemingly bad the problem is. So, Absolutely. All right. So we want to address that. Back into the hockey. So a couple different places we can start. Um, we usually can kind of recap games. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I, I didn't get to watch much of the, uh, the, the two losses to both. Um, That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, to uh, Seattle and uh, Colorado. Um, I just caught the third period of the Seattle game, so I watched two empty netters, and then uh, the Colorado game happened during my brother's wedding. So my uh, my extent of watching that game was through Twitter, and basically I didn't really pay attention until se- seemed until uh, shit kind of hit the fan late in the game when um, Duheim boarded someone, and then it sounded oh, like Hartman had kind of a nasty trip, uh, both on Bowen Byram, which I don't know why we're picking on him, of all people, but... Uh, so I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of hopefully you guys are maybe able to watch more than me, yeah. but just kind of turn over to you guys. And just kind of your your thoughts on those games. Obviously, two empty netters against Seattle. So that game, you know, more or less more of a two one, maybe a three one game than a four one. Mm-hmm. Um, an empty net goal in the Colorado game is also three empty netters in those games. You know, uh, so not quite four to one losses. It's still on uh, you know officially, but un- unofficially maybe not quite as bad as they might have looked. Well, I don't know. For for me, just kind of the overall thought watching the two games is. They seem to be more of an example of, you know, the previous wild teams that we'd maybe expect to see from them. You know, I mean, the Seattle game, obviously, uh, Hartman scored first uh, on that nice pass from Kreisov out front. And then, you know, after that, especially the second period, they just got kind of completely steamrolled. Uh, there, you know, there was like no kind of little to no resistance there. But, you know, it was kind of like, you know, maybe what they would have done five years ago is they got, you know, killed for the first, you know, period and a half, whatever. And then they had the that power play in the third and Eck had like, you know, empty net twice in the power play. And I think he hit the post and, and they came really close to scoring. And, and that was unfortunate. And then the, the Colorado game was just, uh, I think was even more frustrating because the fact, you know, it's, this is another example of just 
kind of the older wild in that they work so hard in a lot of these games to just tie it and just get that one goal. And then they do that, but then 20 seconds later, the other team can put the puck in the back of the net easily, like without, without, uh, you know, really all the pain and all the, the hard work needed to do. So I think that was just the biggest thing for me is it, I don't know. They just didn't seem to really have the, the jump in any of those games. Yeah. They were certainly pretty tough to watch. I think like give credit to Seattle, the fact that they played us very well defensively. Mm-hmm. It seemed like we couldn't really get anything going that game. I don't know. That was just us off our game and then playing well defensively, but I got to give credit to them for that. It was just yeah. one of those games that was really hard to watch. It just seemed like we couldn't get anything going and, yeah, it's always disappointing to lose to Colorado, but uh, yeah, those were two of the the two toughest games to watch this year so far. I think. Yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, make excuses or anything too. But I think a big part, I think for sure, of that Seattle loss, and this kind of blends another topic that we wanted to touch on today, is there were kind of, you know, coming to that Seattle game, all of a sudden the Wild had, you know, this miniature COVID outbreak kind of started with mm-hmm. some of the assistant coaches. Um, Garen had it for a while, and then it trickled down. Uh, Rem Pitlick, who was coming off a really strong Wild debut. Um, comes down with a positive test, as does Matt Zuccarello, who at at the time had been the Wilds' leading point getter. You know, driving that top yeah. line with Kaprizov and Eck, and all of a sudden, you know, you have to cancel your practice for that day. You're you're scrambling to make line changes. You're you're calling guys up from Iowa at last minute. So I, I think you know part of that. You know, you you have to go in now with a whole new game plan. You're trying to build chemistry with new line mates, um, and then you know that that sort of carries over in in a Denver as well in that road trip. And I think so. I think. I'm not saying it's the whole reason they lost, but I think they could definitely factor in. And then you look at, you know, kind of the flip side of that. Now they come back to Minnesota. They know who's out. You know, you obviously have the Greenway injury in there as well. Um, but you, in the, the Goligoski one, you know, on top of that, so yes. you have, you know, four of your opening night guys are out of the lineup. And then they come back, you know, they get a practice in this week. They come out, you know, last hit against Ottawa and, you know, less a five and a half minute stretch to start the second period they pretty much dominated the centers the whole game. And if not for Philip Gustafson in the third period, I mean, that game could have been like nine to four in yeah. favor of the wild. Yeah. I mean, that was a, yeah, no, it was, it, it was a fun game, but like you said, it was a, it, it was just frustrating the way they came out in the second. That was just kind of like, you know, like we've t- probably talked about the show many times last year was they always, you know, were great. would come out up through nothing first and then give up three goals in like five minutes in second period, stuff like that. And, you know, so that was obviously that wasn't good, but I mean, the first period it was again. The, I think it's maybe the only second time or something. You know, to get that actually get the first goal for the second or third time this year again, get up to a two nothing lead. You kind of thought for a while that okay, maybe we'll have a comfortable win here, one where you know, especially against a, a weaker opponent who's on a back to back on the road, all that sort of thing. But you know, I think uh, anytime you can you, you can get a win, it was great and. I just think that, uh, and obviously the, the biggest story that we'll talk about here in a minute was that their uh, last night for the first time this year, possibly their best players uh, were pretty much their best players. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I would say I saw bits and pieces of the game because I was unpacking, but it was, you know, a fun start, go up, basically three to one. Then Ottawa came back, scored three straight goals. I was like, son of a gun after the Colorado and Seattle games, you just want to see them. <laughs> Played the whole game well, but then we ended up tying the game, and, and it was good to see Kaprizov get the uh, monkey off his back. If you know, mm-hmm. to finally score his first goal of the season, a good time for it to, to win the game, and you know, you could really just see the excitement on his face. But it was also good to see Foligno continue to, you know, his shooting percentage something like thirty six percent the last. I can't remember how many games. Yeah, but so I actually actually was thinking of that same uh, that same tweet. So <laughs> this is from our our, uh, our good friend Michael Russo. Uh, Fifteen goals on his last fifty-one shots, a twenty-nine point four percent shooting percentage. Um, f- for Marcus Foligno going back to last year. Uh, I mean, he he I mean, says, "Fuck your your shooting percentage regression. I'm just going to keep scoring goals." And it's like they're not necessarily like ugly goals either. I mean, he's picking some nice spots. Yeah. He he was grinding for that hat trick last night too. I was at the game and he he was he was coming in trying to make some dekes on defenders, crashing the net. But I mean, he just continues just to be an unbelievable leader for this team. And we've seen him time and time again just score huge goals for this team. Gets the first one last night. I mean, he just continues to impress me. Um, 
shout out to the Bardown Beauties. It seems like the uh, <laughs> they finally launched the uh, the official Marcus Fino Fan Club T-shirts, and that just seemed to ignite just a, another fire underneath him. He just continues to look great, <laughs> yep. and it's just it's so fun to watch Moose every game. And I mean, you know, like uh, Russo tweeted this out last night, but you know, he's a big part of that second power play unit. And you who know, would have thought, second, right? That's you know, you put out the first unit, they can't get the puck in the zone, but then. You know, you got Mark Salino and Ryan Hartman out there scoring the big goals half the time, which, which you know, eventually you don't want. But hey, it's uh, it's it's pretty funny just that he that you know, it's kind of almost it's not like Brad Hunt a couple years ago when he was the leading scorer for like oh the first gosh. dozen games. But <laughs> like, my my uh, my current roommate and I were we we I remember like he got on that scoring chicken every time he touched the puck. We were just uh, yeah. texting each other, Hunt for Norris. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, mm-hmm. uh, Steve. I and mean, we know we've talked about this in the past, but to see Felino get traded here and kind of uh, they're kind of like, what the hell are we getting in this guy? Like, why? Why did we do this? We get Felino and Ennis back, and then Oof, he ends up becoming an assistant captain, basically a fan favorite. He's just he's more than just like a checker and a fight guy that can fight. He's like a checker, a fighter, a guy that can hit, a guy that can score goals like that almost uh power forward that you really want on your team exactly yeah and i think you know the fighting's great but i have like almost with some people who say when he's fighting it's like well then that's five minutes with him in the box that he's not on yeah. the right. ice right like, I, there was a there was a point i think i don't remember if it's in the second or the third last night too where the wild were kind of scrambling and all of a sudden you know moose just lays out an ottawa senator just open ice just clean uh-huh knocked him to his ass and i think you know that that gets a crowd into i think it's the bench fired up too it can you know easily shift momentum like that um the the one area the, the two areas of concern before we get into uh we'll end on the high notes with, with kaprizov and fiala and their performances mm-hmm. last night but the two areas that can kind of continue to worry me a little bit here especially of these you know last couple games and may, maybe i'll take some blame because i think i jinxed it talking about how good the wild <laughs> were in every every area of the ice the penalty kill has been fucking dreadful um, I, I, I needed to use the language there because there's no other way to describe it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's hovering around 65%. It might be worse after last night. I believe was it two of the four, I think Ottawa scored ended up being power play goals last night, um, which Ottawa, by the way, I mean, I don't know if it's, I mean, I know the wild penalty kill is bad, but the Ottawa power play, um, looked very good last night. They were generating tons of chances. I'm like, Oh, so that's what a, what a power, a power play that can move the puck looks like. Um, but that's one of the areas I'm really concerned. It's just like it's one of those things. You know, we saw the you know the power play in a similar vein last year. It's just like they seem to be in this slump. And it's you know, at what point do you go? What can break this? Like, if what do you guys think it's just something that you have to they have to continue to work on in practice, or is there something you guys are seeing? What do you guys think is the key for for this wild penalty kill to to find a stride again and maybe crawl back to something even like seventy five, eighty percent? I think just keep at it, keep practicing it. Uh, I mean, getting guys back from injury would help. I mean, that's a poor excuse, yeah. but I mean, anyone can really kill penalties. But uh, just keep at it, keep practicing it. It's didn't la- last year they had a pretty good penalty kill and their mm-hmm. power play was crap. And, yep. Uh, <laughs> I just think they need to find what they were doing last year and find the right combination of players or something. I don't know. It's just something needs to change. Cause it's dreadful. Yeah. Well. I think, you know, like Justin kind of mentioned, maybe part of that is maybe some newer faces, guys getting more of a role there too, is maybe getting used to that. But I think, you know, everyone on Twitter, a bunch of people are talking about how, you know, on the power play too, they're too slow, like compared to other teams, they don't seem to move it fast enough. I think, you know, on the penalty kill too, it seems, you know, you don't want to be obviously hyper aggressive because then you're going to leave yourself vulnerable and, and maybe leave a guy or two open. But I think it just... Uh, I don't know that they're just not aggressive enough because you see all these other teams when they're on there, you know, they're putting pressure on you. They're forcing you to make a play uh, quickly with the puck. And, you know, it seems like, you know, like we talked about the wild, they just kind of get in that box formation and don't really move. And it's like, well, you know, when you do that, the the teams will be, are going to be able to move the puck pretty much at will, you know, throughout the zone because you're not really making them think or pressuring them to, to do anything with it, to maybe make a mistake. So I think, like Justin said, obviously, you just continue to practice and hopefully by doing it, uh, you know, have in the next, you know, in the rest of the season, get more reps in. But I just think, I just think they got to be more aggressive, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah they kind of, sorry, Brett, no, adding on to that. I, I feel like this has happened a few times is they can't, maybe like you're saying, they're maybe too slow. They, they can't get the puck out or they can't get it clear. And then. Mm-hmm. 
like the four penalty killers that are out there get stuck out there for like a minute and a half. Yeah. They're dead tired, and the other team ends up scoring. I think part of it is just clearing the puck, put some mustard on it, like yeah. be a little more aggressive, yeah. not hyper aggressive, like you said, and, and just you know get this penalty killed, take care of. Yeah. And I know one thing that's kind of killed the wild both areas of the ice, and this dates back to last year. Obviously, X had some good nights on draws. Sturm's had some good nights on draws too. But mm-hmm. I know it's especially last night, pretty much every power play, every penalty kill, teams are losing that, that at first draw, and that can swing momentum right away. I mean, if you win that opening draw, you get it back to your defense when he clears. You're 20, 30 seconds, that power play's gone just like that. So I, I think it could just be little things like that. I think, Zeke, like you said, maybe a little less passive without being overly aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then, Justin, like you said, just, you know, Getting getting in lanes and getting those clears and, and getting clears with intent, and then I think too. I mean, obviously, when you get hemmed in your zone for a minute and a half, there's so much you can do. But if you're out there for 20 seconds, you get a clear, get a change. Just just stay fresh, um, as well. I think so. You're not getting hemmed in and getting tired because I think we've seen a lot, a lot of times too, where like they have a good kill for a minute 45 where they're hemmed in and keeping things outside. But when you're down there chasing pucks down for a minute 45, you get tired, and then you know those last five seconds they pop one in. But you know a power play goal is a power play goal, so. Mm-hmm. And then Zika, I won't steal too much of your thunder here because you mentioned you have an article about this coming out uh, later this week for uh, for a 10K rinks. But the goaltending has been probably not where we wanted at this point. Um, nine goals allowed by Cam Talbot in his last three starts, um, going back to the two against Seattle, three against um, uh, Colorado, and then four last night against the Senators. I mean, obviously, some of those are going to be flukes. He's made some big saves in there too, but the reality is, is you know, you're hoping to keep that number, you know, mm-hmm. an average of two. If you can keep it between two and three a game, you're probably giving your team a chance to win. Ideally, two, but that's not going to happen every game. But when you have four, three consistently, we, you know, we've seen him give up, you know, more than that a couple times too. Kakinen, obviously, you know, not sharp in his start against Nashville either. So. The goaltending's been a little bit worrisome for me, especially when you kind of dive into the to the numbers and the defense doing their job. The the, the goal save above expected, I believe, for both goalies has sunk into the negatives too, which is not a spot that that you want to mm-hmm. see it, especially nine games into the year. Yeah, well, I think I don't know. I think the first maybe four games or something tell, but he wasn't great, but he was at least closer to average. And like you said, the last few games, he's just uh, you know it's been kind of back and forth. You know, goal maybe the big save in there too, but. You know, I think last year he wasn't, you know, after he had a little bit of a slump at the end of the year, for the most part, he was never fantastic. He was just obviously uh, at, at, you know, at worst average, which is, you know, always the last few years of Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock, everyone was saying, you know, if they just got an average goaltender, look out, because that's pretty much all they need. Yep. But, and obviously, and I just think, like you said, I don't, they haven't really gotten that this year. And, and, and the problem with, you know, with that is too, as, as we all know with, you know, Olympic break this year there's basically no games in February so the last month two months of the season is incredibly condensed and you play like every other day and, and we can see right now that uh, you know Talbot playing eight of the nine games or whatever that they obviously are not all that trusting uh, in Kakinen uh, I mean I guess we don't know that for sure but after what we saw last year so I think I don't know I think it's just aside from you know like you said Brett Talbot's play I think it's just a concern that you know, they don't seem to really trust Kakinen that much or at least enough to give him a chance a little bit more often. And, you know, running Talbot into the ground for 65 games is, you know, that we've seen here in the past with Dubnik that that's really exactly. probably not going to work out well if you want to do anything in the playoffs. So I, I just yeah. think it's the, I don't know, I think they just got to eventually just either trust Kakinen or go somewhere else for another option because you can't, you can't play, you know, nine out of every 10 games or whatever. I don't, that's not right. sustainable. Well, let's uh, let's end this show on a high note. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but finally, last night, it, it took nine games. I mean, you can maybe count the Winnipeg game in there for, for parts as well, but Kirill Kaprizov looked to me last night, especially being there in person, like the Kirill Kaprizov we saw last year. I mean, he nearly had his first goal late in the third. He, this, he There was this kind of this awkward turnover. It hits Freddie Gaudreau's shin pad below the goal line, kind of squirts out front. He cuts out front, goes between the legs. I don't think Philip Gustin knew what was going on. He was just down. I think it just kind of hit him in the mm-hmm. arm. I wouldn't even, you know, he made the save. But I don't think he, he even really knew he made the save. Um, I, I saw him on zone entries, you know, trying to make spin moves, make some cuts. He looked, he had some jump in his step. He just looked 
so much better, so much more confident with the puck. Um, ends up with four high danger chances last night, which was um, four more than he had coming into the game. He came in last night with three, so o- over doubled that. I believe his individual expected goals in that game, obviously scoring a goal from where he did helps, but I believe it was like .88 or .98, which I think also, was, I think Tony Abbott had something, I think that kind of counted for like something like 75% of his total on the year. Like He really seemed to break through last game, obviously gets the overtime goal, it was just so good to see him finally kind of look at the krill we know, and then I think to get that goal at the end, hopefully that's kind of the monkey off the back. Obviously, Ottawa's an easier opponent. The whole team dominated, but to see Kaprizov kind of really dominate that game, maybe that's just the kind of get-right game that, that he needs to kind of bounce back to kind of the krill that we love and that we lo- know and love. Yeah, I think, you know, Brett, you mentioned that between the legs, but I think for me, seeing that was probably the most encouraging because we hadn't, you know, really seeing that same creativity or, you know, same willingness to try things uh, throughout the games. And I think, as you mentioned, too, the other kind of issue was it just didn't seem to have the same, you know, explosiveness or same jump in his skating. And it seemed like, you know, yeah, especially at the end of that second period, if I remember right, he had that rush up the ice when he got a pass and he had, you know, got a hard shot on net, a decent chance that created a rebound and they almost scored. So, but I mean, yeah, like, like we said earlier, uh, it was their best players uh, were their were their best players last night, and I think, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I I just still think that even though he's only got the one goal, it's like if his if his bad start to the season is you know still playing at technically like a seventy something point pace, uh, That's pretty you know we're, good. we're we're doing pretty okay. So yep. uh, obviously, I've said earlier, sample size, we we were never worried, but as mentioned, it's just uh, it was great to see him get that goal, and he obviously looked uh, really happy too after the game. So that was good. We love a happy yeah, cappy. Yeah. yeah, he was quoted and saying something like that was felt like it was first ever goal. <laughs> well, like in, in a way it was. I mean, we yeah. talked about this yeah. a little bit, but that's the first time he scored in front of more than 3,000 fans at the X. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time for it. It was good to see him do it and good to see just how happy he was. Him and Fiala were just like, oh, like broke the seal. Like, this is it. Like, Finally, it was just awesome to see him celebrate how he did. Of course, it won the game too, but celebrating like it's your first goal ever. Hopefully, this uh, breaks the seal so we can see him mm-hmm. do his 27 goal, 55 pace like last year and become that player that you know we can lean on when we need a big goal or big assist and, and just build off of this. Yeah, And thank God we did not – he scored because we also did not want to have to see a shootout. So – no, I was happy. Yeah, we we haven't had to see a shootout yet, so that that's good. That's um, good. L- let's just wrap up. Kevin Fiala, I thought last night to me just looked. He wants a freaking goal so bad, and you can just see it. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't score the first or the third goal, but both goals that he scored, the, the Felino goal, they they get first. Fiala catches an outlet pass, speeds through the neutral zone, beats the defenders, gets in in a breakaway, nearly scores, and then a little bit later, Felino's bearing a rebound in the net. Then the third goal again. Um, I'm trying to remember who scored the third goal last night. Might have been also full. Um, I think it was it. Uh, was that Sturm? No, he's a second goal. It might have been Sturm too. But whoever it was, the, the third goal. It was the same kind of thing. Fiala enters the zone with speed, gets it in there, and eventually end up scoring. He has. I mean, I think the the, the assist mm-hmm. on Kaprizov's goal last night in overtime was just as much a great shot by Kaprizov yeah. being in the right spot. But the effort by Fiala to Speed past a great player in Tim Stutzla, out Muslim for the puck, get position without interfering, get control of the puck, and then continue to break away from it and then get that pass over there. I mean, he just he looked so good again last night. He had some tips out front that just missed, and you could see him, you know, staring at the rafters. But I mean, I know this guy isn't necessarily coming in the goal column, but it just seems like fifty percent of the time when the Wild have a scoring chance. It seems like it's a it's a Kevin Fiala shot or a or a Kevin Fiala pass or something that created it. He just continues to impress me. I think we talked about it like last week about how you know Kaprizov he wasn't getting those or he wasn't doing those things. Fiala to me continues to do the right things, and I think as soon as that floodgate opens for him too, it look out because I think Kevin Kevin Fiala we already knows on a mission. He wants to prove what he's worth on his next contract, whether that's here or somewhere else, but. I've just loved his game. I think I don't think he should change a thing. I think the goals are going to come, and I was just really mm-hmm. impressed with the speed, the tempo, and and I think he had eight shots of his own last night as well, same as Kirill's. So or attempts at least. I um I think it was, but 
another great game from him. He continues to be awesome. And I, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the thing with him is obviously, as we all know, this has got the breakaway speed that, uh, you know, even Kaprizov doesn't have. And, you know, there was he had the one breakaway, I think, in the second period. And, he, yep. you know, he blew by the guy, nearly scored, as you mentioned, Brett. So I think, you know, that's when, uh, you know, when you know when he's, you know, blazing past guys going in on one-on-ones and getting scoring chances, that's when the confidence feeling. But I thought, you know, as you mentioned, that overtime goal, that was – you know, we've kind of, you know, he's always maybe more of a kind of that shot happy guy too. That was a uh, uh, kind of like we saw in Anaheim last year. That was a, that was, you know, pre- I guess mature of him or good awareness of him to, you know, hey, I've, you know, we both got the goal, but you know, pass it over to the teammate who was open for the net, and I thought that was uh, really nice as well. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, uh, up next here, I think that about, uh, you know, wraps up for what we've what we've covered so far. Um, mm-hmm. The Wild, as we mentioned, will head out to Pittsburgh on Saturday, 6 o'clock puck drop there against the Penguins, who it sounds like they'll most likely be without Sidney Crosby and Brian Dumoulin, um, both tested positive for the coronavirus. And then uh, back home again on Sunday, 7 o'clock against the Islanders. And then uh, I think they have a rare Wednesday game uh, next week in Arizona, so we may have to move our pod to maybe Thursday next week. We'll We'll discuss that more as our group, but, uh, you know, some, some good teams coming up out East, uh, you know, Islanders, good penguins, good. So I'm um, looking forward to another great week, but uh, gentlemen here, we got just a little bit of time left before Google kicks us off. Um, any, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just, uh, just, uh, just again, thanks to Sam for joining us for the show. I uh, really looking forward, obviously to having her on every episode this season. And uh, I know, I think uh, I'll be, yeah, I mean, like you said, they play in the Islanders on on Sunday, uh, first game back for Zach Parise, which I'm sure, you know, obviously there's there's a welcome there's him back, family Wild fans. Yes, there. I don't. Well, that's the Twitter people who hate those guys, anyways. So. Yeah. But it'll be a it'll be that'll be a fun game to see. You know, some more Eastern Conference teams, like you know, we were talking about last night with Ottawa, and just continue to hopefully, you know, got a chance to get a couple of big wins this weekend. Justin. Yeah, not much to add. Not much to add other than looking forward to seeing Preezy back at the X. Absolutely. All right, and uh, Zeke, where can everyone find you and your work? Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is actually now just my name at Zeke Boyat. Uh, for anyone wondering, and then also as Brett mentioned, you can now find my writing at uh, 10K Ranks slash Zone Coverage. Justin. You can find me at DE's 2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the Caprice Countdown. You can find me at MW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the podcast accounts as well at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, both Twitter and Instagram. Three games on tap before we talk to you next. Whitecaps, two games this weekend as well. Should be a busy weekend. So lots of hockey to watch. But until next time, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.